0: This episode of Warp Five is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than one hundred eighty thousand titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com/trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners' group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Manny Cotto, executive producer of Star Trek Enterprise. You're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. How
1: we doing, Trip? Ready when you are. Prepare for warp. Of course laid in, sir. Request permission to get underway. Let's go. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated Star Trek Enterprise podcast. My name is Patrick Devlin, and today I'll be your host. I am joined with my friend, Brandon Shamitala. Brandon, how are you?
0: Uh, my mind's going crazy. I remember things that I don't remember that I remember, and I didn't really remember them but I remember.
1: Oh, it's one of those days. It was one of those days. Too much coffee. It's a rough day. Oh, we we got a guy at work like that. You just stay away from him. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> How are you, so, Patrick? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, you you're know, getting I'm ready actually, for vacation. Yeah, technically I'm already on vacation. Today was my first day officially on vacation, but uh, I'll be going away for two weeks, uh, Wednesday-ish. Mm-hmm. And uh, it should be fun, you know, going away with the family.
0: So now you've they've the listeners have put up with no me for a while, and now that I'm back, you're leaving.
1: Yeah, so they're really happy. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, Brandy's anyway. gone, too, because she's sick. She's yeah, in sick yeah, baby Brand- flux. yeah. Brandy's, uh, yeah, she's visiting Flocks today, so she won't be recording with us, but uh, she'll be back next week when I'm gone, and then it'll be you two for a couple weeks, and then I'll be back. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, so we, we have a special guest uh, interview next week with uh, Scott Bakula.
1: Of course you do. <laughs> no, Go sh- figure.
0: Just kidding.
1: <laughs> I'd have to just bring my computer with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, the Wi-Fi at Disney is terrible. <laughs> Um, I believe we had some comments in the Babel we'd like to go over.
0: Sure, yeah, do we?
1: I don't have them in front of me, so you're gonna have to read them. I'm not prepared. We do. So (sighs) go figure. So in the episode titled uh Number one Hellsman of a One Ship Fleet, which is warp five number it's not listed here for me. One fifty eight, sorry. We had a comment from Chris Trebuzio who said I thought Brandy Jacola said, "Match game." When she was saying "mash game," but he also said, "Thank you for sharing your story, Patrick Devlin. I had a similar experience with my grandma, grandma, mom's mom. I came home from high school happy about something, specifically I can't recall, and my parents told me about her death after being hospitalized. Overall, great discussion. So, if uh, if you, you listen to the last episode, I, I gave the story um, because of Travis's father passing and his reaction, and that was." Yeah. Similar to mine, so not the last episode, two episodes ago. Sorry, and uh, and Chris was just saying you know he had a similar um, scenario, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that had similar experiences, and I I wish it didn't have to happen to anybody, but uh, you know unfortunately those things happen from time to time.
0: Yeah, I know what you're saying. It was a it was a good episode. I finally had a chance to listen to it because as it's it's dropped as of uh, us recording this, obviously because we have comments to read about it, but right. uh, it, which prompted us and, and it gave me a little bit more understanding for the commentary which as we're recording hasn't been released but you know the right the but commentary. will when they hear this <laughs> <laughs> the last week's commentary on the episode so
1: yeah yeah it does uh it makes a little bit more sense after knowing what happens in the previous episode i guess which uh, is good because listeners hopefully are listening each week so. mm-hmm. but you yeah you didn't hear my comments before the commentary
0: that's correct yeah yeah so
1: That's a little weird for you, but okay. (laughs) Timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly. Yeah, it's been all over the place lately. Uh, We also have Matthew Bell said, Regarding Travis's rank, I seem to recall that Malcolm was originally going to be a lieutenant commander. The situation with Travis being too young only came about when Reed was bust back down to lieutenant. I forgot the reason, maybe to give more authority to Trip. Randy's response to that was, I still feel that it's ageism. That in the future, it doesn't matter how old or young you are. This idea that Starfleet Academy is only for young students is rather short-sighted, in my opinion. And Matthews wanted, uh, Brandy, absolutely. It is ageism on behalf of the producers. In the 24th century, we did see officers of different ages in background uh, scenes, at least. Uh, yes, I agree with everything that was said, but also I understand why the producers did what they did. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure of any of the behind-the-scenes scenes and what was involved with choosing ranks for characters and stuff. Um, but I don't think necessarily... I think they just have to have a couple of ensigns on the show. So I, I it seemed... I don't know, because Wesley Crusher was an ensign, right? Like I know he was acting right. ensign at the beginning, but he was ensign on the con, and I think there was always an ensign at the con, right?
1: I believe so, yeah. And I mean, I know... I did read it somewhere that they were going to make him lieutenant, but then decided against it because... They didn't want Reed to look like he hadn't moved through Starfleet properly. Mm -hmm. So I I get the ageism part, but I think it's more of they didn't want Reed to look dumb than that Travis looked too young.
0: Yeah, promotions are always weird in Star Trek. I mean, you know, Worf got his lieutenant commander promotion after, you know, he got a couple of promotions, right, because he started as lieutenant JG. Right. Right, and so did LaForge, and they both ended up as lieutenant commanders by the end of the run of the show, you know, Worf got his promotion in Generations. Um right. But, I mean, then you end up with characters like, you know, Hoshi and Mayweather and, and uh, you know, ensign Kim. Kim. <laughs> right? That that just don't advance in rank at all, you know? And, you know, lots of other characters that don't advance in rank at all. You know, like Lieutenant Commander Data. Wasn't he Lieutenant Commander the whole time?
1: I believe so, yeah. Never so, changed. you know. But then you see, like, in, uh, I mean, I know it's not canon, but, like, in... uh in the video games, the Star Trek Online, he becomes like a captain and, and farther. I think, but mm-hmm. you know, but that's not show. And the show has kind of its own kind of weird rules for all that.
0: Well, you were you were kind of in the military, weren't you? Yes. Like you just I, ate pizza and I stuff while you were in the military, though, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Why well, clean floors.
0: Yeah, like you that. know. So you know, they don't advance. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but so how does it, how does rank work? Is there time served, like? Is it possible that time served only could get you an advancement in rank?
1: Yeah, it could, but it depends on how far you want to go. Because usually, your lieutenants, you know, your um, your commissioned officers went to school for it, mm-hmm. which would be Starfleet, right? And the Navy is different than the Army, where the Navy's commissioned officers do start as ensigns and move up. Yeah. The Army, you start your your non commissioned officers are like your sergeants and stuff, but then your commissioned officers are lieutenants and higher, lieutenant second grade and so on. But typically they're straight out of, uh, we call it ROTC, but uh, Recruitment Officer Training Corps, which is college.
0: Yeah, so I mean, like, I've always assumed that, yes, you could advance based on time alone, but the primary way to advance is by recognition of duties. And if you're good at your job, you you stand out more, you accomplish more successful missions or whatever, you show that initiative, then you'll advance quicker.
1: Yeah, and look, advancement's easier in wartime. Mm -hmm. There's more for you to actually do, you know. Or if you're in combat zones and stuff like that. And also, I don't personally know anyone who was lieutenant without ROTC, but that's not to say that it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, I have a small sample size still, so I just know all – we, we I, I met my fraternity. I was in a fraternity in college. We all met through ROTC, so yeah. that worked that way. And uh, some of us went to boot camp or basic training if you are in the Army. Um even though the common term is boot camp, that's actually only the Marines. A lot of us went to basic training because we wanted to be able to pick our job uh, a little bit more freedom than you have with just going to ROTC. Mm-hmm. But either way, the end result is if you graduated and you went and did your military career on the contract you had, you started off as a lieutenant.
0: That sounds like, uh, you know, like you got some an Italian word or something like that for like gusto or whatever. You got some ROTC, you yeah, know, yeah, Like you'd hear on Sopranos, you got some stugats,
1: right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well it's R O T C so I mean it just it does sound like a foreign language though. Yes, anywho. But but that's not what we're we're not talking about uh advancement in, in Ratsi today. No, but uh, no. I do have
0: a question that's completely off topic since you're a Disney fan.
1: Okay, l- let's let's do that first.
0: So with Disney buying Fox is the xenomorph queen a Disney princess?
1: Well, no, she'd be a Disney queen, right?
0: Yeah. Well, so is a Disney queen then?
1: Yeah. Is it, Who's so in...
0: Ellen Ripley is a Disney princess then?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't make the rules.
0: <laughs> we need I that mean, shirt. Ellen Ripley re- <laughs> is a Disney princess.
1: I gotta, I'll got. i make it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, um. so... <laughs> so, yeah, so at the Halloween party that I go to on Friday, she should be there with Cruella and... Uh,
0: you're they going to the Halloween right? party in
1: August? It starts, it's the second Halloween party for Magic Kingdom. In August? It's a special ticketed event. Yeah, it starts in August. That's bizarre. Well they only sell twenty thousand a night. A night? Oh. A night. And they only do they do it twice a week. So it's small. For Disney standard, yeah.
0: I don't know I've ever been.
1: <laughs> uh let's put it this way there's no weights on the rides at twenty thousand people.
0: Let's continue. So,
1: <laughs> very off the rails, very quickly. So what we are going to talk about today, though, is the episode the seventh. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do a steep dive on that episode in particular. Brandon picked because he doesn't like it.
0: Well, it's not that I don't like the episode. It's just, it's one of those episodes that I never remember. You know, I'm like, what is that episode about? You know, I could just, I, you hear the title of it. And I always think that it's actually Marauders. Because Marauders is loosely based on The Magnificent Seven. Right. right so yeah. whenever I hear The Seventh, I always think about the episode Marauders. And so when I'm like, wait a minute, no, Marauders is Marauders. <laughs> like, so what is The Seventh? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I always, I know it's to Paul related. So then I always think it's that one with that old Vulcan woman.
1: And then no, I'm like, it's not that one no, it's not
0: that one either. And then I'm like, what, what? what the hell episode is this and i could just never remember so i watched it again the other night and i don't even remember so i don't know how much i'm gonna be able to do i'm just kidding i i'll be able to write my own
1: (laughs) so but it (laughs) it is interesting that the whole point of this being called the seven doesn't like really pop up till like the last six minutes of the episode
0: the last seven minutes of the episode (laughs) yes yes no i'm kidding (laughs) I don't know but, like it's it's just one of those episodes that I just I can never remember on a rewatch, and I'm like, What episode is that? so that's kind of why I wanted to to talk about it to see if I could find something memorable that I can grasp onto
1: all right, well, let's see if I can do that for you i don't I don't know if that's possible, but there's there's not much in the episode there's
0: well, yeah, so take it away, you're the man, you're the boss,
1: okay so <laughs> So um, when you first turn this episode on, you end up seeing that T'Pol gets this special mission and that Admiral Forrest calls over to um, Archer and tells him he has to go to this... Pl- I can't remember the name of the planet. I'm terrible with this kind of stuff.
0: Bob 7.
1: Yes, so he has to go to Bob 7 and wait. And they won't tell them why. And they, and you can see uh, Archer's visibly annoyed. Yes. By the fact that he has to do this, which I completely agree because... I'm visibly annoyed
0: when I watch this. I don't know what she's trying to do with this being evasive, but it just doesn't work for me.
1: No, it doesn't. Well, it's...
0: I don't know. Like, right off the bat, I think this is why, is because they're trying to be provocative in this episode, and I'm just like, it's just not working. Like this, oh, so where are we going and what are we doing? Oh, you're going to get a call from Admiral Forrest. Oh, okay, what's he going to tell me about? I need a ship to do this, okay? But what is going to happen? I need this mission because I need this material, okay? But what are you trying to be doing? I need a pilot. Like I don't know. Like it just, she's, she doesn't want to talk about it, but then she just goes down and tells him everything anyways.
1: And 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 as we'll get into, eventually asks him to come and asks him to join her, and it's like what? Uh, no, so so all of that I don't like, right? Everything we just said there, I'm not very fond of. Um, when they're all standing around and like Tripp's like, oh, I'll just polish all the handles. Like that's how I felt the same way Tripp did at that moment. Like this is ridiculous, and I'm just going to give a ridiculous answer. Right. And Archer's like, no, well, you know, we we uh, we have plenty to keep ourselves busy for a couple of days because this at this point Archer's not going yet. Right. Um, but what comes out of this, I I actually enjoy a lot. What what happens basically from that moment on, I think there's there's a good story to tell, and I think there's a lot of character growth between to Paul and Archer in this episode, which make it worth watching. hmm So, because what you end up having is you have her come to Archer and say, you know, um, I, this guy, she I, I, tells her the story, that there was a group that was 109 people that were put out to infiltrate an enemy. Then when they were supposed to come back, I think it was 19, didn't come back, right? And... So some of us were sent out to go get them, and this is the one I couldn't capture. Right. And uh, would you come along with me because he's going to be dangerous. And Archer's like, yeah, whatever. Just, you know, he's he's visibly annoyed even before that because when she walks in, he goes, if the Vulcan high command doesn't want me watching this particular water polo match, I'll turn it off. So he's already, like, given her flack for it, which is I think is great. I think the banter actually is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But... um. But then she asked him to go, and he's like, I, just you can go with one of the Vulcans. And she's like, well, I need someone I can trust. So what do you think about the fact that she feels like she can trust him?
0: I do like that. I like that a lot because we've had a year and a bit of them working together, and for her to be able to trust him now, I, I really do like that. And I think that's a very interesting moment between the two of them. And it kind of changes your perception of T'Pol's relationship with him, and you realize how close they're getting.
1: Yeah because this is like the first time, you know, she she hated humans to start, right? And he didn't trust Vulcans at all. And this is like the first time we're seeing that breakdown for both of them. Mm-hmm. Like he still can't doesn't trust Vulcans. Right. And he's mad that he has to go to this planet and wait. And she even says no this was an order from Admiral Forrest, not from the Vulcan High Command, but we all really know that it's a order from the Vulcan High Command, right?
0: Right. But even still with this part here where she's telling him, oh, and I had to go for six of them and I missed the last one and I only got five of them. And you're like, yeah, but the episode's called The Seventh. Like, (laughs) you know, so I don't know. Like, it's, they should have called it something different because even right there when I'm watching it again, not remembering this episode, I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. So what's up with this now? And so,
1: yeah, maybe I'm just dumb. I didn't catch it. (laughs) <laughs> okay. First time watching it. I just I also I I'm not the best person in the world. I don't really pay attention to titles on first runs. So maybe that's why I didn't catch it. But even like in a second watch when I didn't remember the episode, I, I and I'm like flipping through, you know, Amazon Prime to see it. I read the seventh, I hit play, I don't remember the episode, and it's not till the end where I go, Oh, right. But now we start getting the flashbacks and we see someone chasing someone. Yes. And it doesn't really look like T'Pol chasing someone, though. Um.
0: Well, because it, it could have been... I guess I'm not quite sure. I didn't notice that because uh, there was the three people that were running, right? So it could have just been a shot of that other person that she Well, killed. it is,
1: and I, but I think they want you to believe it's her.
0: Okay, I guess I didn't the, catch that. So. Like the way
1: they filmed it, I think they only showed you uh, Minos, the second guy whose name I can't remember. And that was really it in these first initial scenes, and the way they kind of shot him, a little wonky, like you kind of, I kind of questioned myself. Oh, is that supposed to be to Paul chasing him? Like I don't, because remember at this point we still think she's only after one person, and she makes that slip up when she's explaining this whole story on the, on the shuttle pod. She makes a slip up where she says uh, they thought they were safe. I meant him. Yeah. So now at this point. I believe there was more. I thought maybe it was like uh Minos's uh wife or family or something along those lines and that Topol did murder them. See, and while I'm watching this, I'm thinking that she's lying. The
0: way that it's coming off to me is that Topol is lying and there was actually two people there and she's lying to
1: Archer. Yeah, okay. So we got the lying part together cuz I thought she was omitting on purpose. Yeah. That he had family there, you know what I mean? But I didn't think it was another conspirator. Yeah. I didn't think that yet. I thought it was like his wife, you know, and which later in my head before the episode ends gets confirmed. But, um, So now to backtrack just a little bit because I jumped a little ahead of myself. At this point, Trip wants to know where they're going and no one will tell him or Archer won't tell him. Yeah, and then he's doing the thing that Paul's doing and I'm just like, oh, man, what is this? It, it, it's terrible the way he does it. And he, look, if you're not going to tell him, then you just flat out say to him, look, Trip, I'm not telling you. End of story. Right. And end it. End the conversation right there. Don't. I'm not, the captain. This, little, this is yeah, the order. Not, right. Not this little cutesy back and forth nonsense they're doing. And she comes out and goes, uh, uh, he punched in the coordinates on the uh, shuttlecraft. So, do you mean to tell me that in that year that if you punched in coordinates, the, the main ship couldn't figure out where it was going? Yeah. <sighs> it, it, that, that part drives me crazy. It, it really does. And, again... Overall, I really enjoy this episode because of what themes we're going to see moving forward here. But that drove me crazy. Like, oh look, they're not going to this planet; they're going over there.
0: Can I uh, let me jump ahead on something here and tell you how I think this episode would have worked better for me? Sure. I think this episode would have worked better for me post Zindi arc. Okay, because to Paul is way too emotional in this episode. This early in the series, and I think that this would have played better half after her addiction to the rock. Trillium. Why can't I remember the name of it? Trellium D. The Trellium. I was going to say Trellisane, but that's the book, I think. Uh, <laughs> but the Trellium D. Post addiction to Trellium D, I think this episode would have played a heck of a lot better for me.
1: Yeah, possibly. I, you know, so I thought about that because it doesn't make sense that she's this emotional. Yeah. And they try and explain it off, and. Uh, again, we're jumping ahead, but this is really the crux of the episode, right? And this is actually one of the themes in the episode I like. I don't know if necessarily they pulled it off the best, but I like it in that she was so emotional. Okay, so for the listeners, if you haven't watched this episode, she murders. She's unsure of if she murders, but she kills the seventh person she was supposed to round up. Oh, the seventh! (laughs) Oh, what a shock! (gasps) <gasps> Be still my heart. <laughs> so, so He mockingly said. Um, <laughs> so, no, but so that happens, right? So she, she killed him, and she couldn't come to grips with it when she did it, which is kind of a little weird, right? And then they make up this outdated procedure where they make you forget everything. Mm-hmm. And so she went through that, but now because Minos is kind of – once they find Minos and – He's kind of bringing this memory back to her. she's starting to get really emotional again about it because that was another thing. We saw a flashback of them holding down a Vulcan, and again, I wasn't sure if that was to Paul on first airing you know if that was the if she was the Vulcan they were holding down or if it was the guy who fell that Minos was trying to help or whatever and we find out that it is her she's being held down for this um Procedure I can't remember the name for because it's outdated and it's never been said again.
0: Right, right. Well, I can't remember either. Yeah, it's something with so, a P. Uh,
1: that stuff. So they did that, and she keeps trying to lean on this as a crutch that she went through that as if that matters because she's clearly extremely emotional. But what I like about that, and this is a very long way of getting to my point, is that there's in if you take psychology classes, they talk about the beach ball effect. So if you take a beach ball or, you know, go to the pool with a beach ball and you shove a beach ball down, it doesn't come back up the same way because your hands are above it holding it down. But it pushes out, you know, to the left of you, the right of you or in front of you and pops back up to the surface. And that's kind of what's happening here. She's getting really emotional about things, but they're not what's really making her emotional. It's the fact that she killed this person and she's unsure if that person was actually reaching for a gun or not.
0: Right. Now, now there's a lot to unpack here. Okay, so. What I, what I got the impression that they were trying to convey here is that it it would have worked better for me rather than her being this distraught because she was unsure about the guy pulling for his gun would have been more like she was trying to cope with this perceived violation of this removal of the memory. Right. And that with her trying to cope to terms of, did I kill this person? because I don't remember it, but yet I'm getting these glimpses of remembering killing this person, that would have been a better reason for her to be agitated rather than, did I kill him because he was reaching for his weapon or was he not reaching for his weapon and I killed him, you know? So I Like, to me, that would have worked better if she's trying to cope with the fact that she was violated by these Vulcan priests or whoever did this mental thing on her.
1: Right. And they, they don't even breach that because it was voluntary.
0: Yeah. So, I... I that would have been better... Again, that would have played better for me. Now, there was a recent episode of Literary Treks that Justin Ozer was on, and while we're talking, I'm going to try and pull the number, where they talked about a novel that came out around this time, um, and the novel's called Surak's Soul. And it's really interesting because in this book, and I just read it, to, you know, because I follow along with Literary Treks, Paul, kills somebody in self-defense. Like, the person's attacking... Uh, Read, I think it is, and, and uh, or she's the person's attacking somebody, and Hoshi pulls a weapon to stun the person, and the person dies because they were compromised, and she was she killed that person unintentionally, and so it really made me think a lot of this book, so uh, maybe I was partially influenced by this on my last watch as well with this novel, you know, right. but yeah. I, I don't know, it That's just made weird. me think a lot of this Sirx Soul by James Dillard, and it, it was an okay book, it wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It, w- it was okay. But um, let me see if I can find... Where's my literary treks feed? Oh, it's because it's at the top. Uh, it was just a couple episodes. It was episode number... 237. And uh, it's called... It's like a reverse These Are the Voyages is the name of the episode. Um, but it's called Sir X Soul, based on the novel. So check out the book. Take a listen to the episode. I just was thinking about that a lot. That doesn't really play into my opinion of the episode, I don't think. But... It's interesting that these, this book came out around this time as well. So,
1: Right. Now, see, I like your idea, but, the, but my problem with it is if they had done it that way, it knocks out the fact that everyone, I, I think the message they were trying to get to is that even a Vulcan has to come to grips with their actions no matter how much they try and repress them.
0: Yeah, and that just didn't, I didn't, that just didn't work for me. Yeah, it, it
1: fell flat for a lot of people. I I happen to like the message. I mean, maybe not the execution, but the message. And you know, one of the things too with this is through this episode, you know, Minos is coming off as a really sympathetic character,
0: right? And I I wanted him,
1: but but I wanted him to be good. Did you? Yeah, I did. I really, and I'm not usually like that. I usually want to see people get shot.
0: Yes, honestly, I think the episode also would have worked better had he not turned out to be the villain that they were looking for. I think it would have been a much inter- more interesting story and a much more interesting idea to think of had he just had those empty casings on his ship and that was it.
1: Absolutely, because it more justifies her feelings. Right. Her losing her feelings. And I think if I were to write this episode again, I would have had it come to light that he was just a simple you know, cargo ship moving spent casings. Like, halfway through the episode, so that all the stuff we saw before that comes after she realizes, well, wait, maybe he really was just trying to run away. Yeah. Because that makes more sense than questioning yourself because a criminal is telling you to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and- I, I agree. Like, this this episode just doesn't work for me. Like, I, I get what they're trying to do, but... It's it's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind as to why this episode just slips from my mind. It's 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 not very good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> fair. Um, like I said, I enjoyed it. I like that they the way they made him so sympathetic was to uh, you know when when he asked for someone to re- he asked for um, Mayweather to go into his pocket and pull out the little hologram of his family. You see the little kids waving. Like you don't. I mean, you don't see great detail there. You know, two inches tall on the table, but you can tell they're, like, waving and stuff like that. I, you know, I think I think they did a good job of that. I think they did a great job of making this guy sympathetic. I think they did a good job of how a person would react to finding out that their memory of things weren't exactly what they were. Mm-hmm. But is it really good for a Vulcan to react that way? Is the problem
0: right? And and see the thing is, watching the episode, I know even forgetting the episode, I know that he's not a sympathetic guy, and I know that he's lying because of how he reacts as soon as he sees to Paul, you know. And in my way, he's yes, I understand that she tried to kill him at one time before, but the way that he's so good at hiding and all this stuff that we know about him, you know feeds into the story that he is wrong and he is the bad guy you know oh yeah
1: absolutely so
0: I, I, when he's playing sympathetic it's not hitting it's not striking a chord with me because i know that he's not because that's, that's the episode the telling is that he's not
1: yeah know? no it's unfortunate i i i wanted him to be you know i wanted it to come down to the end and it be like oh look he really was telling the truth even though he seemed like such a good liar and uh and that was because of the training he got. So he always seems like a liar to you. Or because we don't like Vulcans at the moment. Whatever. But um, it was obvious, like you said, that he was definitely the bad guy. And it, at the very end, they find the biotoxin. Yes. So it confirms that, no, he was bad. The other guy reached for his gun. This all sucked and was worthless. But but, but I do, like I said, I keep going back to it because I do like the message they were giving with, with her. With, with the fact that... You can hide from your past, but only so much. Mm-hmm. And eventually it comes back to bite you. And this is it coming back to bite her. I, I don't necessarily know if they did it in the right way. There's other ways they could have done it. But I don't think it would have had as much impact if she doesn't have the emotion. So maybe you're right. In this episode, she should have just been slotted for season four.
0: Yeah. But they wouldn't have known what they were doing with season three. And, you know, they. so it came out now. And it just, I don't know, it just doesn't work here for me.
1: Yeah, and like you said, like you know, at the end of this episode we have another great moment where she comes to him and says, you know, you can always trust me. And he says, I'll never forget it. So we have that it's unfortunate that in what most consider such a bad episode, we have these two groundbreaking moments between Tapal and Archer. But like you said, that's really the only thing that's memorable yeah. about the whole episode because even the message they were telling in the middle, which I enjoy We could throw that episode away. It doesn't matter. Nothing changes if we don't watch that episode. Right.
0: Now, I will point out one thing here, that there is one thing in this episode that I remember, and I never remember that it's from this episode because this episode is so forgettable, and that's the little B-plot with Trip being the captain, and that thing that he has to do with the Vulcan and lie that he's Captain Archer, and that I think it's a great payoff that he just gives him the score to the water polo game.
1: So, I forgot that that was what the message was, (laughs) and... I was sitting in my room watching the show. My wife happened to walk in, and I just busted out laughing. And she's like, "Why is that so funny?" I go, "Cause he was so afraid. This was like important information. Yes. And the Vulcan doesn't even know what he's saying.
0: <laughs> I'll be sure to tell him. Uh, yeah, it's com- right. It's, 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 it's confidential. confidential. It's classified. <laughs> it's, it's, it's classified. So, so,
1: and that was that was great. I mean, it was short li- You know, a short little B plot, but it was great. Yes. I, I like. I do and i said this when we did trips uh, trips um mayweather's episode cuz we we talked about this episode cuz mayweather has some good scenes in here brandy and i both picked one actually as a moment for him out of this episode which is interesting cuz he says like six words in the whole episode but <laughs> uh, <laughs> he uh i picked when he ta- he basically tackles minos mm-hmm. and she picked when he figures out that that com had uh condensation on it yes. so it, it's, it, look, he's a minor character for the most part compared to a Trip and an Archer, so you've got to find what you can find, and those look good. But what I did like, and I mentioned it during that episode as well, was Trip just can't make a decision. Everything's. I'll, I'll tell you later. I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. and Nobody wants to hear that. And Reed being Reed is a mm-hmm. jerk. He's like, well, is that the engineer talking or the captain? I kind of like the scene.
0: Yes. Yeah. See, that's the funny thing about, you know, doing, if I were to pick character moments, like I wouldn't even think of that because, you know, I can't just do a rewatch when I'm just picking a couple character moments. Right. And I would never have remembered either of those plots. So I'm like floored that you guys remembered this.
1: (laughs) I cheated. I, I, if you go on uh, memory alpha, you get all his moments through the whole series. (laughs) So I just read through it and went, Oh, I did like when he did that, you know? (laughs) And then went back and watched just the moments. I need to pick you're the top right.
0: five from season two. Oh, there is only five from season two. Yeah, well.
1: <laughs> and, like, two of them are in this episode. But, no, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's bad. Uh, but, so, overall, I did enjoy what they tried to tell us in this episode. I think it's—I don't think it's the worst Star Trek episode I've ever seen.
0: Uh, I would watch this over Judgment.
1: Yeah, I would definitely watch this over Extinction. I would so. watch this
0: over Stormfront Part 1 and 2.
1: <laughs> Fair, <laughs> so but like you said, it, it's not it's not impactful either. Yes, because you know what it is. Here is the other thing about it. See, but those they episodes this...
0: are memorable. Like as much as I don't like judgment, I, I remember that episode, and I know what this. Is what I just never remember. Like two weeks from now, like I am just gonna. You'll be like, what? What do you think about the seventh? I'll be like, what's that? <laughs> oh, that's the one with the Klingons and the and the seventh. No, no, wait, no, it's not. That's Marauders.
1: No, that's. Oh, that's yeah. the one with the
0: Vulcan. One. Well, wait, no, it's not. That's you know. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, Extinction's memorable because it's so bad, though. Like it's not memorable for the right reasons, but it's just it. It, it would have been better if they had some kind of callback to this for T'Pol later in the series too. They don't make us think about it again. Not until she's addicted to Trellium, and then we forget this happened anyway. Yeah. Because it's the Trellium's fault, right? Yeah. Um I guess the only memorable spot is that her and Archer are starting to you know, respect one another more.
0: Right. And then we get the awesome B plot with Trip.
1: Yeah, which is great. And we have we have Travis being Travis, you know, just staring at stuff a lot. He likes to stare. He does. He he intently stares on at a lot of things. Like like, like I said, two moments came out of this for that that episode, and he says like six words, yeah. And it's a lot of staring, and that's kind of just his job, and he does it well here. So, Brandon, do you have any final thoughts on this episode? No,
0: I don't think I have much more to add. Uh, like I said, I think we we've come up with a couple of great ideas on how uh, one you know maybe one or two more rewrites on this episode could have could have made it a more impactful, more powerful episode. You know, like I said, I think this would have played better had rather than her struggling with did I kill this guy in self defense or did I just kill this guy, it would have been a, an episode more about you know a violation of her and I, maybe that's a trope. I don't know. I mean, like how many violation, mental violation episodes did we have with Troy? So maybe I'm wrong. But you know maybe it's maybe it's a better episode dealing with the ramifications of that, and maybe I'm just a victim of you know what I know about Star Trek. I don't know so this didn't quite work for me this way, and it's I, I find it to be an extremely forgettable episode
1: so yeah, so my final thoughts I don't really have any either it, it it did work enough for me. It's not an extremely memorable episode I do if you said the seventh, I would know what you're talking about, but
0: yeah, you're the one with the seven detail. magnificent seven one, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, that, and uh, no, but I, I, I know the episode. I wouldn't know it in great detail. I, I did like this story with To but I think you're right that, and I don't, I don't necessarily think I would want it to be that she's struggling with the with them taking the memory. I think I'm okay with that. I think the placement is all wrong. I think you're right that it should have been after that. If it was after her addiction. Then it makes more sense.
0: Yeah, I wonder if this episode would have played completely different for me had this been a season four, season four. episode. I yeah. mean, like, I I am glad it's not because we had such great stuff in season four. But had they done this story in season four, or even near the end of season three, and somehow they found Minos in you know in uh, the expanse, I don't know. Maybe it would yeah. have played better.
1: Look, we could easily have gotten rid of Extinction and been able to fit this episode in three. You know, and just move some stuff around. And uh, and it would have played. It would have definitely played better, I think, because now she's supposed to be emotional. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, they could even use the excuse of the Trellium the Trellium for the the resurfacing of the. You don't even need Minos in this. You could just have her remembering this, because the trelium is bringing it out. For all we know, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, right.
0: So bringing up memories, be... bringing up her troubled past. She's starting to regret things.
1: Right. That, like that. It could have been done so much better. And even though I like the themes of the episode, it wasn't done to the best of its ability, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's really all I have to say about the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, It is kind of amazing that we were able to find a couple of moments out of there for for one of the characters, but uh, that's about it. Well, it's been fun talking about the
0: 7th today, but this isn't the only thing we've been discussing on the network. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, Literary Treks.
1: Not to sound, you know, too high on oneself, but I was special when we were the only ship in the Delta Quadrant, and now we're
0: just back, and it's not as great as you think. It almost feeds into that Voyager theme of... It's not the destination that matters, it's the journey, because, you know, once you get there, it's not as amazing as you think it was going to be. This reminds me so much of the rescue of Gilligan's Island. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Standard Orbit.
1: Anson Mount, our new Captain Pike, was wandering around in the vendor's room, and... I saw him. He passed by me within like inches and was walking around and looking at different different booths and stuff. I went up to his handler and I said, "I I have these bookmarks I made these bookmarks. Would it be okay if I gave him one?" I don't want to bother him. I don't want to interrupt him cuz and she's like, "Yeah." And at that point, he had turned around and I got to shake his hand. I gave him a
0: bookmark. He is incredibly nice. Warp 5. He seems upset that she doesn't want to go to the movie. Now let's get back to the episode. Here. But he's, he's like always upset offended. when she doesn't
1: want to go because he yeah. wants date night with her.
0: He does, and then and then Archer just swoops in and is like, "You're my date," and she's like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> You're coming with me. We're going to the movies."
1: God, that look on her face. She's like, "No,
0: no." So check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad or Apple TV or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. And please don't forget to properly dispose of your spent casings. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link as well.
1: We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners' group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to email us, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send a show and select warp five. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Brandon, when you're not growing old because you're shuttling around spent casings, where can people find you?
0: Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Matella. You can find me here on the network with Melodic Treks, which is a podcast all about the music of Star Trek. Uh, I'm doing an intermittent podcast over on Cinematic Sound Radio. I've had one episode come out so far. That podcast is called Breaking the Waves, and it's all about film score music that's electronic. Our first episode was all about the Academy Award-winning duo of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So check it out. It's a fun little show. You can find me on the Talk Film Society with my friend Zach Moore from Standard Orbit where we're doing Halloween H4O an 11 part miniseries covering all the Halloween films. We're having a heck of a lot of fun over there and uh, as of this recording as of you guys listening right now there should only be three episodes out and two of them feature John Mills, formerly of Stage 9. So be sure to check them out. Episode 3 on Halloween 3 is a really, really great discussion. So that's a lot of fun. Definitely check it out. Um, you You can also find me on the fandom podcast network with my friends Chris and Tom and we talk about Alfred Hitchcock films on good evening and Alfred Hitchcock podcast and Patrick where can people find you when you're not uh, killing people accidentally when you think they're pulling weapons on you but they're
1: actually not oh man Um, usually then I'm, I'm dealing with that harshly you know many years down the line but in the meantime you can find me on the Babel conference I pop my head up in there once in a while I've been doing that a little more then uh recently um so you can also find me on twitter at magic drop five it's uh, one word the five is a number and you can find me over at the edge with my uh my buddy amy where we uh talk uh, star trek discovery
0: you talk a big game over there
1: we do talk a big game
0: if you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's patreo ncom slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, including ancient Vulcan mind wipes. Available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us, and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash Trekfm. And at this time, we'd like to thank our wonderful associate producers, whom we could not produce this show without, because they support us as well as the network. Thank you so much to Norman C. Lau, Floyd Dorsey, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Ozer, Mark Flessa, and the seventh, Chris Trebuzio. He's a dead man.
1: Poor guy, he got shot when he wasn't looking. <laughs> So that's all we got for you this week. Uh, So boomers, keep calm and boom on.